Since 1857, when the citizens of Ninager decided to organize a baseball club, the people of Minnesota have been crazy for the sport. In its heyday in the 1950s, the state boasted 799 town ball teams. Today, Minnesota can claim more than 300 amateur teams, the most of any state in the U.S. Across nearly 160 years of organized play, town ball has spawned countless memorable characters and stories, and we aim to meet those characters and hear their stories. This is Town Ball Talk. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Town Ball Talk, featuring veteran Minnesota amateur baseball reporters Herman Lensing and Tom Elliott, and sponsored by BurstKey, the camera app that lets you create your own GIFs, available in the App Store today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Louis Opatz. This week's episode of Town Ball Talk features a duo that is a ubiquitous presence at central Minnesota ballparks and an indispensable resource off them. Herman Lensing and Tom Elliott have each covered amateur baseball since the early 1980s for the Melrose Beacon and the St. Cloud Times, respectively. In that time, they have seen their fair share of premier players, terrific teams, and colorful characters. And, as journalists, they would surely call me out on that kind of excessive alliteration. I spoke with Herman and Tom about their collective six decades covering town ball and what keeps them coming back summer after summer. Uh, yeah, thanks, Herman, for joining me to talk about baseball and uh, taking some time to chat town ball. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm curious how uh, you first got introduced to town ball, to amateur baseball. Uh, growing up in central Minnesota, that you know about it. It's here. Um, not everybody follows it, and some people don't. That's not their interest. But you, growing up, you knew about it. My dad, um, there was a lot with the family. My dad had played with El Rosa and later on Green Grove and then Greenwald after the Green Grove team broke apart. And he, um, and so I, I, was, I knew it was there, and there was Little League, and you knew you played with the Little League, and then you got older. And, you know, somebody said, there's kind of the stage you go through this. You're a ball shagger, you're a bat boy. Um, and you, you see him play the, with the teams eventually. Um, I never actually played on an amateur team because uh, when I was in high school, I had problems making the eligibility for the playoffs because of where I was at school. But, um, yeah, it was mainly because of the family that I got into it and I followed it. And, and then my dad would, you know, he told stories about some of the players. And one time I had some time on my hands and I started I thought, oh, gee, I can look some of this up today. I was at the Historical Society in St. Cloud and got into their archives and found out that they were really true. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, uh, you grew up in Greenwald, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, And what was, you know, you mentioned uh, Green Grove and, you know, some changes. What was the sort of Stearns County landscape as far as baseball Um, when you were growing up? Well, okay, I, you know, I don't remember much about Green Grove because that, they folded, I was, they folded when I was about before I was in elementary school, but there was an eight-team league at that time. With um, and at that particular time, it was um, when they well, the actually the Stearns County League really goes back into the '30s, and it's been as big as 16. But by about the mid '50s, it was an eight-team league. With um, instead of Greenwald and Meyer Grove, you had Green Grove and Freeport, and uh, neither Spring Hill or El Rosa was in at that time, but all the rest were. 
So the other, the farmings, Lake Henry's, now my Grove, Roscoe's, Richmond, St. Martin's, though, New Munich, they were all in there, and yeah. So how did you first get started actually writing about Town Ball? And, uh, oh, that came out of, um, it was after I got done with a journalism degree, I uh, came back and just kind of basically it was a way to freelance and make some money. And I noticed nobody was really covering it in this area, and thought that was sort of interesting because with all those teams that had, all those towns that had the teams, I thought, geez, nobody really covering it. And so I just went around and asked the papers if they do it, and they said, sure. And they took some of them, and yeah. What was, it, uh, what was it about Town Ball at that time that you thought, that you found interesting and that you thought readers would, would find interesting? Um, I think it was because I noticed that, like, Sock Center at that time, Albany at that time, Melrose at that time, I'm not sure about Painesville. None of them had an amateur team, but all the communities around them did. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, there's these people obviously subscribe to the papers, and they'd probably be interested in it. And another thing was when I was looking back on some stuff, I found newspaper clippings a great source mm-hmm. of information on. Like, if you go back into the 50s, 60s, almost through the 70s, they printed full box scores, complete with putouts, assists, errors, where they played, the whole bit. And I, later on, I, I missed that, and I thought, you know, there. I remember hearing one time journalism is the first pure, first part of written history, and I thought, you know, it's something that's being missed here. Yeah. Um, how did you? What was your path from? Because if I recall, you had a maybe a. Not a straight path into journalism. Um, what were you doing oh, before you before yeah, you got well, I, into writing? I considered. I was in a seminary for a while. Considered uh-huh. the priesthood. Um, I had a liberal arts uh, a degree. I mean, excuse me, a liberal arts education at Crozier Seminary Junior College, and a lot of writing. We did a lot of writing at that. So I, you know, falling into going out and talking to people and looking up stuff and writing it never. That to me just never seemed odd. It was something mm-hmm. you always did. Yeah. We, <laughs> We did a lot of term papers at uh, Crozier, and later on at uh, when I went to once you get into journalism, you do you do is you just write a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having stepped away from it a little bit with mm-hmm. the seminary, and um, you know, maybe ha- yeah, having stepped away from it a little bit with the seminary, and maybe um, getting a little distance, and then coming back with maybe more an eye towards stories. What is it? that you're looking for and what is it that you find interesting you know having covered this for so long i, I still find the game interesting uh, the the way it's played out the hits the runs the errors i find that interesting and i'm i um find some of the personalities are really interesting yeah in there the the competitions are always fun and you you just never know going to any one game what's going to happen you you might be going to this game where you know on paper it should be a big blowout and you're going to watch this team just hammer and it turns out to be a two to nothing almost no hitter <laughs> yeah so you never know that surprise element is there and i i think that's what i like and i've been fortunate that most of the games i've gone to have been pretty good games um, there have been a few where you kind of hope by the third inning it's over but, oh. <laughs> i've been in those two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you started freelancing when was that roughly do you know roughly 1980 ish okay. maybe 81 something so in you know those the thirty six years of of actively covering, <laughs> sorry to say that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about that one. Yeah, but in, right. in in that span, um, you mentioned the finding the game still very interesting. 
Yeah. Have you noticed what have, what have been the big changes? Obviously, metal bats, oh, wood that bats. Was, but that was the best, and that was a definite change for the plus. I mean, that that the game got much more interesting after that. The game was turning into basically home run contests. Uh, I remember one of the jokes I heard of a draftee was they were talking. They said, "Okay, you know who should we draft? Because you could draft pitchers and catchers, and they could bat." Way back, a bunch of years ago. And I still remember the one guy going, uh, well, how about, uh, I forget the pitcher's name, and this one person said, how many home runs has he hit this year? <laughs> <laughs> because they knew they were going to give him up. So it was like, can they help keep up with it? And uh, that that changed, and that's so much better. You see a lot better defensive play, a lot better, more variety of offense, and it's not just powerball anymore. And I, I like that. And and by sheer coincidence, it turned out a lot. Some diamonds had moved their fences back, and the, the year after, the year before, they put the wood bat rule in. So I thought it got better. You know, I, I like triples. I like double plays. Um, yeah, they're fun. How about um, the atmosphere? The sort of the surrounding aspects of of town ball, especially in the smaller towns. How how has that changed since you started? Um, I. From what from I haven't noticed that much from the '80s to now, so but I have talking to people, I get the distinct impression that through the from the '50s through the mid '80s there were a lot the crowds were just bigger all the time, and I can understand that it's it's your hometown it's it's your people it's the people you know that are out there playing so that makes a difference and there's you know the tradition you know you. You might have played for a team that never beat the opposing team, so you're going to come back and watch and see if maybe today your hometown <laughs> can do it. Um, so that's out there. I I also think something else that's a factor in it, and actually I, I didn't come up with this. There was a um, somebody who was, uh, he was he's observed, he's watched a lot more baseball than I did, and he said he thinks that the fact that more kids participate in high school programs today than what used to, that it's not just they're not a super antagonistic against each other. I mean, they realize, oh, he's a nice guy. He just happens to be pitching for us today. Mm-hmm. And I think that element is a little more predominant from what I understand than what it used to be. I mean, I've heard of people telling me about they had fist fights years ago in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy mackerel! <laughs> it's only a game. Um, the knockdown pitch, you know, and some of that carries over. High school has really tried to curb some of those elements, like the knockdown pitch or the showboating. So it just kind of carries over to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, in terms of, hey, we still want to win. This is our team. That that flavor is still there. Yeah. You mentioned the changes in, from the 50s to now and also uh, the research you've done with newspaper clippings. And I know that I, uh, you do have a history of, the Stearns County League, I believe, at the History Museum. That yeah, you wrote. I wrote something. Yeah. So I'm curious how... it's even true. <laughs> I'm curious how that, uh, the more historical bent in the research, how that started with you. Oh, yeah, that that may have been actually the biggest reason I started doing it is because I was just so intrigued with how they had played years ago. And um, it was a little bit like the experience Ken Burns had when he did the baseball um the baseball show on for PBS, that documentary, it's a fabulous documentary. Yeah. And he makes the observation that every generation knows it probably wasn't as good as the previous one, but it also knows it's better than the next one. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then he made the joke about he said those, that. So he said, based on that, that first baseball game ever played must have been fabulous. <laughs> great. 
Um, and there is some truth to that. I mean, you can, I've had that happen already where I mentioned that, well, wow, you know, this guy is really hitting. He's probably got the best ever, and I'll, I'd have to go back and look it up. And somebody else says, oh, no, 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 so-and-so back then, he did. He had one or two more. And, the, the, yeah, it's there. But I think ba- baseball is part of that. It's, it's tradition, you know, and uh, I think, you know, the uh, you, you can talk to anybody, you know, that's, you know, as your age or older, and they will start telling, oh, yeah, I remember when so-and-so was pitching, and, boy, was that a game. And uh, the memories are there, and they're part of it. And it all, it all kind of feeds and flows in. Mm-hmm. Could you just give a, a brief um, summation, I guess, of the, the Stearns County League, or at least the sort of origins of, if not the Stearns County League, maybe baseball in Stearns County as far well, as your research? Is? Baseball in Stearns County goes way back. I mean, that was well over 100 some years ago they mm-hmm. were playing baseball it's recorded um i think like most of the country um it got its real big boost after the civil war baseball was initially pretty much just an east coast game and though they went out to the east and they got introduced to it and they brought it back and they kept playing it and it was a game you could play in a pasture pretty easily you didn't need a whole lot of special equipment a ball a bat um later on gloves became predominant um and you could have that. I've had the experience a couple of times of watching the baseball played by the rules of 1860. So I could see why that was became very popular, especially in outlying areas. It was easy to play. Um, or as somebody said, it's a simple game with a lot of rules, but, <laughs> which is yeah. true. And they developed over the years for various reasons. But um, it kind of grew into there in about... I organized early 20th century. The Pasterns County League in particular... Um, there were teams playing back in the 20s. I know that for that are in the Stearns County League now, St. Martin being one of them. Um, and, but about the 1930s is when the Stearns County League was formed, the mid-30s. And that was, a, again, an eight-team league, six-mile radius. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is just the towns that were in it. They're so close that six miles made a little bit of sense, so you, couldn't, you wouldn't have to worry about somebody jumping from team to team. But um, another factor that somebody brought up was at that time teams got paid, or players could get paid, and they usually went around to the merchants and they took up a collection and said, you know, we'll pay this. And they said some of the merchants didn't like the idea of paying somebody who came from 50, 60 miles away, so they wanted that, okay, we'll keep it, they got to be within six and we'll keep it local, we'll keep the money local. And uh, yeah, that payment, um, uh, there are all sorts of stories about how much people got paid, and most of it's very unprovable. But I do remember reading a comment by Bud Grant who got paid to play amateur ball in southern Minnesota, and he said he made more that summer than he did playing on an NBA championship basketball team, <laughs> which gives you some idea of what the pay skill was like back when Bud Grant was playing NBA basketball. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> It seems like in some fashion or another, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that these these teams haven't changed too much. You know, the... Spring Hill started a team, and that's probably the newest addition. But those same areas were, you know, the right. players from those areas were still playing on oh, yeah. various teams yeah, long before. Primarily Greenwald Lake Henry for Spring Hill. But uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Spring Hill had a team in the Stearns County League in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. It only lasted one year. But <laughs> ironically, the two teams went out that year, and two others came in. The other team that went out that year was El Rosa. Huh. And those two came back in in 1986, 85, something like that. As you've covered baseball and as you've watched baseball in these small towns, one thing I find fascinating is um, 
until maybe more recently when there have been uh, more, when there has been more movement between teams and a little bit uh, maybe the loosening of some of those radius rules. Uh, teams were really beholden to just the kids that grew up there. And so you, you see these waves, it seems like, where you know a certain team is ascendant, a certain team is good, and it's mm-hmm. kind of just because they had a bunch of brothers or, yeah. you know, and then teams ebb and flow. And what, what is a – it's got to be a fascinating process to watch the Peewees and the Little League and then knowing that, oh, New Munich is on the rise or St. Martin is going to be good yeah. in a few years and these families come and go. It's, it's, I find that really fascinating. It, it is, and it, it, it's to, a, to some degree that's still a big part of it, um, not – like you said, not as much. There is a little more movement between teams than what there used to be. Um, teams, and they, they are a little less parochial, but for the most part, you know, you get, you can have an issue at times where somebody moves in or something and, oh, he's really good, um, but that means Johnny's got to sit down. I don't know if I'm really comfortable with Johnny sitting down because he's worked pretty hard to get there. And uh, there are, although in terms of people coming in and playing on a team, it's been my experience that if a person hits 400 or throws about 10 strikeouts a game, they're from your town real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's really not much of an issue. One thing you mentioned earlier was you know the, the playing in a pasture and how conducive mm-hmm. the area kind of is to baseball to begin with. And one thing I find um, really charming, I guess, still about the Stearns County League and a lot of the smaller leagues is – uh, the the one thirty game time and nobody having lights. I mean that's changed yeah. a little bit, but mm-hmm. which you know is still kind of a vestige of you played in between morning chores, church, and then yeah. before evening chores. And I, I I think that's such a great holdover kind of from and way I, back when. And I and I've learned to appreciate the one thirty starts more than what I thought I would have. I was really excited and uh, when lights started coming, I thought, okay, we can play a few more night games and this will be all right. But I've, I've learned to appreciate the games at one thirty. Yeah. You forget how bad the mosquitoes can be until yeah. you play under the lights again. In the right. <laughs> As somebody who has covered this area for a long time, um, if somebody was is was came to you and said, you know, I've never seen a town ball game, I don't know anything about it, where would you send them? What would be your sort of um, – Well, if I if – I, uh, that's really a tough one because mm-hmm. there are some really good teams out there. Um, uh, any kind, almost any time, St. Martin and Lake Henry matchup. That, that's good. It's usually a good game. Uh, Spring Hill and El Rosa games are fun. I mean, they they've got that added incentive of the keg all the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're there. Um, those are there. I've always found New Munich to be just a fun, consistent team to watch. It seems like no matter who they play, they play at kind of this notch above level, and they're. They're usually very. They've got usually some good players. Um, or you know, if you just want to see excellence, Cold Spring is there. But mm-hmm. Cold Spring's not. I mean, they're, they're good, and don't get me wrong. I think they're probably the best team in Central Minnesota, and most of the times in the state. But they, um, they're not really you know, the small town flavor of an El Rose or a yeah. Meyer Grove or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. But boy, they they can be fun to watch. No yeah. doubt about it. So you mentioned. Uh, you know the the quality of Cold Spring, but maybe it, it not having that small town flavor, and I, that's something I've experienced as well playing in in St. Cloud and those areas that maybe the teams maybe they have you know more more talent or whatever, but it doesn't quite feel like small small yeah. town baseball. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think are the ingredients to that that small town flavor? Um, you know, I've thought about that a, whole, a couple of times. Like, you know, why why is a town? You know, you get Greenwald, Meyer Grove, and Spring Hill. 
population together isn't going to equal one quarter of St. Cloud, and St. Cloud's got a hard job holding a team. I think a little bit has to do with just the community and that the communities provide the playing area, the ballparks. You know, I don't know. If, I realize the baseball teams go out and have fundraisers, et cetera, to raise money to help pay for that, but it's not like they have got to pay rent for those ball diamonds like the, you know, the St. Cloud teams do with some of the others, and I think that affects it. And I also think, and this is, this is something you cannot prove, but I think a little bit of it has to do with the fact that if you're a St. Cloud, you don't want to get beat by a Meyer Grove. And so rather than take the chance of getting beat by a Meyer Grove, you just really don't back that, that kind of a game. Yeah. Do you have, a, do you have a, a story, a quintessential story, or sort of a, a be it a team, be it a, a player's backstory that to you sums up what makes Stearns County League or uh, Victory League or the smaller town baseball kind of what it is? Yeah, I think um, one of them was a, it was a Spring Hill Meyer Grove game a couple of years ago, and the um, I think it was Spring Hill's been both in a few, but this, this particular one, the pitcher was pitching and got hit with a line drive coming right back at him. And the first base coach from Meyer Grove wanted to get over there to you know, say how he's doing everything because it was his nephew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I think that was that was neat. I mean, you could tell he was just waiting to go, and he had to wait for time to get called so he could get over there. <laughs> and um, yeah, another one was you know this last year at the regionals when this one uh, young lady is walking around with a, a t-shirt that uh, had Roscoe on one side and Lake Henry on the other, and I said, well, "What's that about?" And she said, "Oh, I had it made for the game. I, I don't know quite what it was, but I think it was like her brother was playing with Roscoe and her boyfriend's pitching for Lake Henry." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, th- those kind of things are there. I. Uh, I also think the drafting is kind of a nice essential feature of it because you know this is these are sometimes pitchers who you disliked all year long and all of a sudden you know you can play with them yeah. they're all right they're good pitchers <laughs> they uh, my brother when Greenwald played he and he wanted to get the one guy and the guy came up to him after a while they did draft him and he said thank you so much for drafting me he said I was he said, I, I was just surprised, and his wife said, surprised. He was just kind of floating on cloud nine. He couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was laughing the other day um, talking about family members and uh, on the same team. When we went to state a few years ago, I remember the, the PA announcer coming over to the dugout with the uh, lineup card to go over the pronunciations of names, mm-hmm. and he would just go, okay, Terrace, Terrace. Shaneberg, okay. Oh, I guess that's pretty much it. You know, like, it's like yeah. there's only like really two yeah, last names you needed yeah. to know. Um, and I think, uh, what is the uh, what is? Have you ever seen a lineup with like everyone related to each other? What's the uh, what's um, the biggest family uh, affair you think? I don't know that I've ever seen that. that <laughs> because I you know I find that an interesting fact when I find out about it, but I don't go to a ball game thinking, okay, how many cousins are in the lineup today? You know. I, I might, you know, I the, you had the one, you know, incident a bunch of years ago when Ryan Nett was pitching, throwing a no-hitter, and the last batter he had to face was his brother, Aaron. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, th- th- I don't really go to that. I'm, I'm, I'm often surprised to find out who are relatives. Because, yeah. You know, I, somebody said something one time, and I said, you know, they asked me about that, and I said, you don't have to be honest with you. I said, I'll watch and see how they hit and how they swing, but really, I've never checked bloodlines. <laughs> what people do. <laughs> It's probably easier in some leagues to just assume everyone is kind of related somehow and not try to figure out how, you know. Yeah, there was a time, oh, I don't know how many years ago, I sat down once and I was able to make a team of 
eight, nine to twelve players, and I forget how it all worked out. But there was at least one person from every one, every t- all ten of the Stearns County League teams on that team, and they were either an in-law or a cousin or sometimes a brother to somebody else on the team. Okay, <laughs> and uh, I would have taken that team to an All-Star game. Yeah, and when Lynn Hamish was the pitcher, I remember that. <laughs> Is there a a team that comes to mind when you think of the best teams you've seen in this area? Yes, Meyer Groves in the eighties. Yet they were, they were really solid. Um, the new unique team right now is just kind of fun to watch. They're pretty well solid all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, that Richmond team that got to runner-up, I think it was ninety-eight, took runner-up at state. I really learned to like them. Um, that they were really good. And then after they drafted in uh, Chad Hess. They got a lot good. Yeah. <laughs> they got very much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the it gives you some idea. Chad only played with them in state tournament games, but because of the metal bats, people got up more. I mean, that was pretty common for people to get up five times. That even the eight and nine batters to get up five times in a game with metal bats, that doesn't happen as much anymore. And uh, Chad would have had what they would have played that one more game. He would have had enough at bats to qualify for the Richmond batting title. So, <laughs> Just and, in the state tournament? Yes, <laughs> because they played like seven, eight games, seven games, or what it was, whatever it was. But they played yeah. a lot of games, and he was getting up four or five times a game. Wow. So. I guess to sum it up or to end, what what keeps you coming back and keeps you interested in town ball, and what really makes it special for you? Um, it's. I think the contacts and the friends, you know, you, you get over there and you talk to people and you realize you're really not talking about baseball specifically, but, you know, about how it's work, how their day is going, how this year's going, um, that sort of stuff. It's, uh, yeah, I've made a, made a lot of friends and there's people I run into, you know, in the same cloud. And what's really unfortunate is I don't always recognize them if they don't have a uniform. <laughs> like, I'm like, do I know you? <laughs> or, you know, the... Uh, I had one, um, I still think of her as a young lady, though she's been married now for about five years, but she came up and asked if she could have a picture of uh, that we had had in the paper. She said, that's my son. And I was just, oh, sure, not a problem. I mean, that. so you, you make friendships and you're, you're talking to people and visiting. And But, you know, I, the reason I'm going there is to watch the game. That's still the big reason. Is, you know, it's a ball game. I want to watch a ball game. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Herman. I okay. really appreciate you chatting and uh, yeah, right. talking tumble. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of this week's episode of Town Ball Talk featuring my conversation with Herman Linson. Stay tuned for part two, where St. Cloud Times sports reporter Tom Elliott and I discuss his more than 30 years of covering central Minnesota town ball. But first, a word from this week's sponsor, Burst Key. Your pictures on iOS were never meant to be still. BurstKey is a camera app that lets you take a burst of photos and converts them directly to the infinite looping GIFs that you've come to know and love. Send through text messages, social media apps, chat, or email using BurstKey's handy keyboard. Download BurstKey for free today on the App Store. For more information, check out BurstKey.com and follow BurstKey on Twitter at B-U-R-S-T-K-E-Y. And now, part two of Town Ball Talk. All right, uh, I'm joined by Tom Elliott, uh, who can introduce himself. He's got a hell of a title and description. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining a me, hell Tom. Of one. Wow, <laughs> I'm the I'm the prep sports coordinator for the for Times Media, 
which everybody knows is the St. Cloud Times. I just call myself the sports guy. I primarily do high school sports, but uh, like the, the sidelight, the thing that keeps me occupied in the summers has been amateur baseball for probably longer than you've been around, dude. I think that's true. I'm 32. I think you started in, in what, 19, 81? The, well, the I started at the Times in 82, and the first... In fact, the first story I ever wrote for the St. Cloud Times was about the state amateur baseball tournament coming to Cold Spring in 82. And uh, it was a big uh, uh, lifestyle section centerpiece. And uh, I was very proud of it at the time. And and it was, you know, team spirit fills the town Mm -hmm. because the the old Cold Spring was so full of uh, people excited about the state tournament and... You know, the Springers were defending state champions in 82. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, it was the first time I met uh, Bill Hulls, mm-hmm. who's kind of a legendary uh, coach and now a Hall of Famer and lots of other people. Uh, Stevie Hulls was the bat boy. Wow. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, there that was so the first story I ever did for the Times. Yeah, so with I a guess. With a byline, with a byline. With a byline, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess that's a good place to start. What was your... Before maybe that point or whenever, um, when when was your introduction to amateur baseball? Be it playing uh, or f- as a fan or what, how did? Well, that I'm a terrible player, so <laughs> don't even worry about the playing career. Unless you want to hear about you know like third string catchers who can't hit anything that moves besides going straight and down the pipe. Uh-huh. I, the, if it had movement, I was I was done. I was yeah. toast. I didn't. I couldn't see the ball very well. I'm like. I'm, I, you know, I have very thick glasses, <laughs> so I never, I never could get the seams when I, I could, I just, it couldn't hit. I love baseball from a very, 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 very young age. Uh, people don't know this, but I'm originally from uh, Flushing, New York. I was born in uh, Flushing in Queens in New York City, and guess what was by my house about a mile and a half away? Ebbets Field. No, you're not that old. <laughs> wrong, wrong borough, dude. Wrong that's borough. True, that's Brooklyn. Queens. <laughs> Queens. Shea, uh, Stadium. Shea Stadium. That was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're in the right city. <laughs> but uh, but that makes me older, too, because Ebbets Field was like toast by the time I was born. Yeah. I mean, they had knocked it down already. So, mm-hmm. But um, got way into the New York Mets with Tom Seaver. Yeah. And Jerry Kuzman, who's from Minnesota. Yeah, and that's right. Gary Gentry and Cleon Jones and Tommy Agee and Bud Harrelson. I can tell you all about them. They won the World Series in 69. They made the World Series in 73. And I was totally sold on it. You know, tried it, played it, did everything, collected baseball cards, played board games. I I was I was sold. I was going to be a major leaguer until, you know, I realized that, Gee, guys with really thick glasses and <laughs> you know sundial speed and no arm, uh, they don't they don't make the pros. Yeah, that's funny. That was my that was my same plan, but didn't, <laughs> I feel like a lot of us had that idea. So 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 somewhere along the line, it occurred to me that if I wanted to be around that game, I was going to have to find an, an alternative uh, way because I you know I was not going to do it that way. So. Uh, became really interested in sports journalism. Uh, you know, the other thing going on was the Watergate stuff, and mm-hmm. really, I don't know. I just got captivated by all that and Woodward and Bernstein, and there was a big movie that won Academy Awards. And next thing I know, I'm a journalist. 
basically went to we family moved to South St. Paul. Okay. Then we uh, then I went to St. Cloud State and uh, got a degree in uh, journalism and political mass communications and political science. Times hired me when I was 19. I uh, rode all the way through college, and you know, here we go, 35, 36 years later, I'm still in the business. So yeah. that that's what happened. I, I was in California in the mid 90s for a while, also in Gannett at another paper, the Desert Sun in Palm Springs. And long story short, it, I, I call it my three and a half year coma, where <laughs> yeah. I kind of woke up out of it and said, "What am I doing yeah. here?" And you can relate to that. I mean, yeah. you've, made, you've had a couple of career switches, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I uh, came back. I uh, love the town team ball. It's the greatest thing about it is the stories are so good. Mm-hmm. We have great stories. I go and cover farming in Richmond baseball, and lo and behold, the first baseman is a priest. Just wrote about this in the last couple Aaron of weeks. Aaron Met, my uh, pitching coach at Augustana College for one year, I think, maybe two. Yeah. 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 yeah, there we go. Yeah. A good story. Yeah. Um, and I will, you know, there's just every every one of them is really good. Uh, went to Luxembourg, covered St. Augusta, Luxembourg. You know, it's kind of the rivalry of the South Side, the Sea Cloud, the two little yeah. hamlets that, and they're all, almost all tech guys. There's a mm-hmm. cathedral guy or two in there and a Recori guy. And, you know, a couple other places, but mostly tech guys. Here, here I am writing about this, and lo and behold, so uh, Sam Eitens, the winning pitcher, and hits two home runs. Start talking to Sam, and he's talking about how he had to pull double shifts at the reformatory to so he could have the weekend off so he could play in that game because it was a big game. They're yeah. still fighting. They're gonna probably going to get number two seed in the Central Valley League. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so you, what do you do at the reform? I'm a guard. I was like. Gosh, these stories just write themselves, yeah. I think. And that's that's kind of why I enjoy it. Is When you cover high school, I enjoy the high school kids, and they give me a lot of – I love their enthusiasm and their outlook, and you know, I, I, their energy is really cool to me, and it gives me energy as an old guy who's mm-hmm. kind of seen it all, and I like that. But not one of them has a, a story about, yeah, I was a uh, prison guard uh, – Working double shifts so I could get the weekend off, or you know, yeah, I yeah, I went, I studied in Rome for four years to become a priest. You know, it's just the stories are so good. Besides what they do, besides playing the sport I love so much. Yeah, well, and you said your first story was about Cold Spring in the state tournament. Yeah, what was t- my first my first byline story in the Times? They said, you know, Cold Spring and St. Cloud are hosting the state tournament this year, and this was 1982. And uh, I, I was a little, I was aware of amateur ball because South St. Paul uh, still has a really good amateur team. Mm-hmm. Now it's Class A. Nobody outstate ever cares about Class A. Stockman's Irish. Yes, Stockman, my, yeah. my brother worked at Stockman's washing trucks mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school. That's what he did in high school. And uh, but so I was aware of it. I'd seen a little bit about it. I didn't know that it was such a big deal outstate Minnesota until I moved to St. Cloud. And so, yeah, I went over, and they said, well, what, you should start with Bill Hulls, the manager of the Springers, and tell the story of, of what they're doing to get ready for the state tournament. And, yeah, it turned into a fun, you know, I, your first byline, Louie. You get excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, how did your – And, you know, I was 19 years old, too. So, oh, wow. I, you know, I had a lot of experience at that point in my career. So, so re- was there a part of you thinking, oh, maybe I could sneak onto this roster somewhere? You know, <laughs> By then, by then, uh, you know, I had reached my level of competence. Was this was like uh, 
you know, slow pitch softball. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so how did um, how did you come to cover town ball on a regular basis? Well, uh, at the times at the time it was a gentleman named Kevin Oklubja, and Kevin was also a St. Cloud State graduate who was a full time sports writer at the times at that time, and he was so into it. He was originally from New Alm, which that's mm-hmm. one of those baseball towns. I yeah. mean. You you pick out baseball towns in this country, in this state and New Ulm. If you don't if you don't mention New Ulm, you've missed one. And so, I'm doing the, uh, uh, you know, and he's just telling me you know how much fun it is and how much he likes it. And long story short, he ended up getting a job and I ended up replacing him full time at the Times. And so I just kind of got the beat. Mm-hmm. It's just like okay, well you, you're we're hiring you to replace Clubby, and one of Clubby's things was doing amateur ball in the summers. And I had already done amateur ball and enjoyed it a lot. And like I said, I, I was like, cool, let's go to Luxembourg. Where's Luxembourg? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm from the cities. I had no clue so how where you, any of these places were. Watkins, yep. Regal, Spring Hill. So how long did it take you to start sort of getting your bearings and going? No, I don't. You know, as yeah. far as the sort of landscape of central Minnesota amateur baseball and like these are the spots to go to or what? how did you sort of – was it just flying by the seat of your pants? or how did Well, you... at, at first it always is because, yeah. yeah, I don't know that much about it, but I knew, you know, the Springers won the state title. And I think, you know, you're asking the question. That the other thing that really sold me was the Jim Eisenreich story. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people know who Jim Eisenreich is anymore. He's been retired for a while, but he played 13 years in the majors, and he's a St. Cloud Tech grad. He went to St. Cloud State, was drafted by the Twins, and the twins never diagnosed. He had a disorder that the twins never diagnosed. I had never heard of it until I started writing about Jim Eisenreich all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, the Tourette syndrome. Yep. I mean, I literally didn't have any idea what was going on. I just knew he had something wrong. And he had to retire from the majors. And he had to retire three times. And the twins just decided that he was crazy. That's what they decided. It was Calvin Griffith era. I'm not sure that their doctors were hired because they were good doctors yeah. but besides that they were loyal to the Griffith family because that's kind of how it was back then. Yeah. And so Jim was back playing town team ball in St. Cloud. And my gosh, you talk about an adult playing with the little kids. It, he's still 35 years later, he's still the best player I've ever seen play town team ball in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, could cover everything, had a rocket arm. Uh, the year the the St. Cloud Saints won the state title in eighty, uh oh, eighty two or eighty three, I, I believe it was eighty three. Okay, eighteen home runs in twenty five games, <laughs> and not the juiced up aluminum bats. They were still, you know, semi realistic in those days. Yeah, they, the technology hadn't caught up yet. Um, he he would steal second standing up. Um, they they had a situation one game where they had too many lefties. He ended up playing second base left-handed. I saw him turning double a double play. A left-hander <laughs> turned. It was just it's a, a tough turn. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I mean he was just he was incredible. I, the longest home run I've ever seen hit at Dick Putz Field is by Jim Eisenreich, and the story gets better now because those trees keep growing in the uh, outside <laughs> of the fence. But it was over the trees, and it hit the road back there yeah. by the VA and bounced into that field back there. And I thought it was a 500-foot shot, and a guy named Jay Johnson 
who was the manager, player manager. He's a marathon runner now in town. Uh, and I, after the game, and I, I said, we got we to gotta walk this off because I've never seen one this far. And it was only about, I'd say, about between 470 and 480. Oh, that's it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you don't see – people think 500-foot home runs happen all the time. For, believe me, this was yeah. an amazing shot. So I think that got me into it, too, because the, the – and this, the, it was a good news story because a lot of teams didn't think Jim should be playing, that he should be in the pros. Uh, J, uh, Jay Johnson always had to – whenever they played somebody, he would bring – in his briefcase, he would bring uh, – Jim's release from the Twins because people wouldn't believe that he had been released by the Twins, and uh, and plus they were really good. I mean, I mean it was it was a really fabulous team at that time, and they had a tremendous rivalry with Cold Spring. The crowds were really good, and I it just sold me on it. And then I started to figure out, oh my gosh, all these little hamlets out here. Not only do they have teams, they have good teams, and like the coolest thing about their towns. Usually, the church and the ball field. I mean, you forgot the bar, though. I think. Yeah. yeah well, that's always across the street. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, um, you're a Spring Hill guy. What's the what are the coolest things about Spring Hill? The church, the bar. Are, yeah, the bar. <laughs> and Two bars and the field. Yeah, no, and I yeah. think, like you're saying, it the field almost. Um, I was always amazed when I first started going to Spring Hill that. You didn't, it didn't seem like there could even be a field there. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, I must have missed it. Or, and then all of a sudden it's there in the middle, middle of cornfields yeah, everywhere. Yeah, and, on the edge, of, yeah. on the outskirts over there. Yeah, and so many, I think especially around this part of the state in Stearns County, so many of the fields are just in a field. And so you can see forever, and it's just a very yeah. – there's no lights a of, in a lot of them to warn you that they're coming, so mm-hmm. they just kind of sneak up on you. And, yeah. and I'm an 80s guy. That's when Field of Dreams was big. Yeah. Uh, you know, that movie, that movie is really the story about – baseball in the upper midwest and minnesota mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah. and yeah just the ghosts coming from the from the cornfields they're definitely you know jim eisenreich's one of those ghosts coming out of the cornfields right now for me yeah and you you know you mentioned a couple stories that you uh happened upon recently with aaron and sam um mm-hmm. what keeps you what keeps amateur baseball compelling to you after 30 odd years because yeah, there's always something and that's that's kind of the journalism part of me. There's always something. Uh, if it's ever getting a little boring or you kind of heard it all before, you know, you'll go to a game and you'll start asking questions. And next thing you know, wow, that's good. That sounds like something. We got something that we got something to work with here. Let's try this one. Yeah. Let's try this one. So it, it's uh, compelled me to keep going. Let's let's put it that way. And. Uh, like I said, and it helps now that I've been around, you know, I go to, you know, I go to Richmond and, you know, hey, Tom Elliott's here. So it helps that way too. Yeah. You know, it, you know, I'm not incognito out there, especially in a baseball world. I, people know who I am and stuff. And mm-hmm. so they'll come up and tell you stuff. They'll go, did you know this? Or did you know that? And, you know, did you know that? Louis Opatz is living in somebody's basement <laughs> and so he can play in Spring Hill. <laughs> you know, stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> Got to yeah. write about that yeah. one. <laughs> um, so, you know, you were, you were once a, an amateur baseball neophyte who was sort of trying to find your way. Where would you – somebody was visiting from out of town or something and you said um, – mm-hmm. you know, right, I'm well, going to send you to a game. What would be the ideal scenario? Okay. 
Well, I'd start them simple if they were in St. Cloud. I'd say, well, okay, let's go to the rocks. I want you to get a, a feel for this. And then they'll go. They got two stadiums side by side that are just like, you know, beautiful. They're, you know, a testimony to, ba- I mean, they're monuments to baseball, really. And they're, they're wonderful places and they host tournaments all the time. High school state tournament for years. And then I'd say, okay, you like this? And this is a town of 65,000, metro area of 125,000. Now wait wait till I show you this. We might do Cold Spring because Cold Spring's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love Watkins these days. Watkins is really cool. Uh, Got to go to El Rosa and, and, and at, you know, just before one of those 815 games. Yep. And uh, see the lights on and the sun going down. It's just one of the prettiest pictures you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Driving in in the prairie there and uh and and they'll go how many people live in this town i was like oh well el rose is one of the bigger ones i think it's like 380 or something or 350. <laughs> it's massive <laughs> yeah i mean they've they've actually got a business district kind of <laughs> and uh and and then you go and you know what just down the road is spring hill 80 <laughs> and then <laughs> You go down the road a little bit, and you you, you take a left, Greenwald, two twenty two is it or two twenty five? Yeah, that sounds about right. And then you and then you go two miles to the left of that, Meyer Grove, one hundred and ninety seven, and then you go down a little bit, and you take a right, and you're you run into New Munich. Yeah, I don't know what New Munich has anymore. Two fifty, no more. Yeah, and all these they have organized teams. A lot of the guys have college experience. They got brothers and families that everybody laughs about. I mean, the one I was laughing about a couple of years ago was when they and uh, 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 Carl Le- Le- Leeser even admitted this. He batted his son Kyle first, and then he batted six Schlangens in a row after that, just so he could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all brothers or cousins or yep. first cousins mostly, and. Uh, you know, there's family situations, and the the ball is really pretty good. The concessions are really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you think you can, I mean, even compare it. I think, you know, in town here, the rocks are a pretty good deal. I mean, you can get out of there, have, you know, eat too much, drink too much for 30 bucks, 25 bucks, and that includes the ticket. Uh, you go out to you go out to the Stearns County League or the Central Valley League or Sock Valley League or mm-hmm. you know we got Victory League in this area we got uh, Resorters League. If you spent twenty bucks, man, you probably yeah it's a you lot. You shouldn't of money. drive home probably. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. So you mentioned that you were in California for a couple of years, and I yeah Palm I, Springs. I grew up here, and I left for a few years and came back. Went out west, yeah, a little cooler place. Yeah. Smart, smart in the summer, boy. But I mean, you didn't grow up here, but I'm I'm wondering because I, having grown up here, and grown up with baseball the way it is here, I just kind of assumed this is how it was everywhere. And I went out to yeah. Oregon, and I was like, wait a minute, there is not a team everywhere, and no. it's actually kind of hard to get a game of baseball going. Um, yeah, is it? Do you ever are you ever able to take a step back and realize kind of how nuts it is that there are three hundred oh, yes. teams in the state? <laughs> oh yes, it's it's uh, very unique. Uh, having grown up in New York, at least till high school, I moved to Minnesota when I was in high school, and then uh, living in Southern California, which is also a really good baseball area, by the way. Yeah, but they have nothing compared to this. They have 
they, they have a, a semi-pro league. And remember now, I, Palm Springs is a desert. It's 110 degrees. It's awful in the summer. Um, they they would they had winter leagues too, and it was perfect in the winter. Oh, I but, bet. Yeah. Uh, they would literally they, they we had a stadium that used to be a minor league park that had six thousand seats, and they would literally play double headers on Saturday and Sunday mornings at eight a.m. and ten a.m. <laughs> because you, you know afternoon man like you'd be calling ambulances because it was so brutally hot. Yeah, but it was nothing. But that area is a lot bigger than this St. Cloud area, and that was it. I mean, it was literally like a six-team or eight-team league, and everybody played everybody, and that was it, and nobody was there except, you know, a couple girlfriends, mm-hmm. you know, or wives or whatever. And uh, it's it's unique because it seems to me like the smaller the community here, the bigger a deal it is. Somebody f- from the Stearns County League gets to a state tournament, the whole town is there. Yep. The whole surrounding area is there to support that team. In town here, it's a little bit different. It's more like a Palm Springs where, you know, we have a, a, a great team in town, the Boudreaux's Bar Saints. It's Class B, which is a higher level than most of the ball we've been talking about here. Um, full of college guys, really high-level play, really good players. Uh, crowd's very small comparatively. Yeah. It's just uh, we're, we're not into it in town here like we are just outside of town. Yeah. And so – yeah, it, we are in a hugely unique situation. And that said, I would being brought up at the time I was in New York City is a really big baseball city too. Yep. I mean, at one time there were three major league teams. There's still yeah. two, and you know everybody hates the Yankees. <laughs> I hated the Yankees too, man. I was a Queens guy. I like yeah. the Mets, and they, you know, those are the, you know, if you if you're into major league baseball, you got to go to Yankee Stadium, right? Because yep. that's that's where you know the twenty is a twenty six or twenty eight championships. I don't know. You got to go and... see Babe Ruth Monument and mm-hmm. you know all the monuments out there. I mean, you ha- it's something you have to do, and so it was big there too. So I was all, it was always big to me. Uh, my dad was like loved baseball and played baseball. My dad's originally from North Carolina, and it was big in his area. So I I had the these things that made me interested in baseball right away. Uh, like I said, I kind of I went to St. Cloud State to major in journalism because I could afford to go there, and they accepted me to go to that school. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could get into those highfalutin schools like Augustana or St. <laughs> yeah. John's, but uh, 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 so it helps I, I you can play sports. <laughs> it helps a lot. It does. So I I stumbled into amateur baseball a little bit in that way. I mean, it wasn't like okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to get a degree in the St. Cloud area because it has amateur baseball. It was more like, well, that's where I'm going to school. And, you know, I'm interested in being a sports writer and a journalist, so let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it kind of worked that way. Well, so, okay, I was going to ask you a couple quick questions. You already mentioned, so best player you've ever seen in town ball, Jim Eisenhower? Oh, easy, easy. You know, one, I just talked, we just did a thing. You know who would have been number two or pretty close? Eric Decker. Huh. I, did, I don't even think of him as a town ball player, but I suppose he was. Well, he yeah. was drafted twice. Yeah. And he was drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers and the Minnesota Twins, and it was a hobby for him in, in college. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he was a football player, and he was just doing the, the baseball yeah. stuff on the side. Okay, how about uh, best, best amateur team you've seen? Oh, boy. Well, all those Springers guys that get upset if I didn't mention them, but, <laughs> uh, just because they've been, I mean, 
uh, what, they won nine state championships, eight or nine state championships. Is there a certain uh, a certain vintage of a certain year or era of that team that you think was? Hmm. You know, it's hard to it's hard to deny what they've done in the last ten years. Yeah, that would be really good. Uh, obviously, that St. Cloud Saints Boudreaux's Bar team with Jim Eisenreich and Charlie Eisenreich and Brian Dayak and gosh, a host of others. Uh, Pat Opatz, yeah. you related to him? <laughs> I am his nephew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was pretty dang good too. He was, was he on that team? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was real. He was Tim Bratz. Uh, I, you know, I, let me think about it. I name a few more, but gosh, that was a great team too. And he, I think that a lot of times in our world, like what happens to you in your, you know, you know, from like high school age to like early twenties is like what sticks in your brain the most yeah <laughs> uh, and and so i that team's always been in my brain quite a bit because mm-hmm. of that but it's the only team you know i've ever covered that had a guy who played in the majors for 13 years so yeah that that has a lot to do with it yeah those would be the best one thing i've thought about a lot is in in previous conversations we've had uh you talked about and you mentioned this a little bit with aaron as a priest and sam as a corrections officer but, you know, you talk about how what you find interesting is, you know, the accountant who's also a terrific shortstop or, yeah. the, oh. you know, the yeah. high school principal who's a hell of a pitcher or whatever. Um, what is is there a sort of um, a quintessential amateur ball kind of story that you would oh boy, or a story that really sums up what what that dynamic, what about that dynamic is interesting to you about the sort of regular guy who who also happens to just be a. Yeah, I don't. I, I just, you know, how big it is in certain places. Uh, just uh, doing something somewhere else. And Pat Dolan mentioned the story. He was coaching uh, down in North Carolina. Uh, he's now the St. Cloud State head baseball coach. And Cold Spring was in the state tournament and needed him, so they flew him back to <laughs> Minnesota so that he could play in the state tournament. That's how big a deal it was to Cold Spring to have Pat Dolan playing for him, for them in the state tournament. And that, you know, that to me just tells how big a deal it is in some places that they would spend their team money on flying, you know, a guy who's, you know, coaching in North Carolina back to Minnesota just to play. And, you know, one of the folklore stories also is uh, uh, Ricky Bell. He played for the, he was an All-American for St. John's in football. Played for John Gillardi. Uh, was also a fabulous baseball player and uh, made uh, Bud Grant's uh, Minnesota Vikings. And they were in the state tournament too. And and uh, and Bud Grant was a great amateur baseball player. He was originally from Superior, Wisconsin. He pitched town team balls for years. And 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 uh, Bill Hulse called Bud Grant and asked him if he could play uh, baseball while he was in you know camp with the Vikings. And they said, no, no. Now this is funny. This is a good story today because it would never, no one would even think about it. But back then, it was a little less of a big deal. Yeah, that's how big a deal it is in Cold Spring. I don't know. Those stories are kind of great for me. There are an awful lot of great people that play amateur baseball who, you know, don't have fascinating careers or you know they're they're helping out on the family farm or they're you know roofing or working construction or they're you know, driving a truck or whatever. I mean, those are all great stories, too, and there's an awful lot of those where, you know, they do that and they play baseball. Just every now and then we run into one of those kind of weird stories that, you know, unique that 
you know, journalists like to glom onto and, and highlight because it's interesting. But there's just so many of those people out there. I, I mean, and you know them too. You play with some of them, and uh, I know them well too. I know a lot of them well too. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom. I appreciate you uh, chatting about this. And oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, good luck with this. I hope the <laughs> Thank you. podcast. Uh, you know, breaks records. I don't know. I don't know what the goal is. What, what's the goal? I don't know. To have it be something people would listen to. So, okay. Well, I appreciate uh, you asking me to do it. Yeah, I of course. Hope I didn't uh, fill it up with too much nonsense. <laughs> no, just the right amount. All right. Good. Good. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> That's it for the second installment of Town Ball Talk. Thank you so much for listening, and to our two guests, Herman Lensing and Tom Elliott, for appearing on our show. Check out their respective writing at the Melrose Beacon and the St. Cloud Times. Uh, Both of them will be huge resources as regions end and the state tournament approaches and unfolds. Thank you to all of you for all your support online and otherwise since we debuted last week. It's been great to hear from people with suggestions and uh, feedback on the show. Continue to do that. Uh, Townballtalk.com is our website. Email is townballtalk at gmail.com. Reach us on Twitter at townballtalk. Facebook as well at townballtalk. Give us a like or a follow. We'd really appreciate it. To hear the episodes, you can visit our website or also follow us on iTunes, and we are now available on Google Play for Android users. Thank you again to our sponsor, Burst Key. They can be found at burstkey.com and followed on Twitter at burstkey for all of your GIF-creating needs. Make sure to tune in next week for Episode 3 of Town Ball Talk, featuring my conversations with two members of the Minnesota Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame's Class of 2015. Until next week, this is Town Ball Talk, and I'm Louis Opatz. <laughs>